1: our Locked On 49ers, your daily San Francisco 49ers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
0: Welcome to Locked On 49ers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Brian Peacock here with you once again. We are going to be getting into... Uh, the tight end position on this Monday episode and also a little bit of a mailbag as well in the second half of the show and uh later on this week we have got chris biederman coming on tuesday's show and then of course a winky wednesday podcast and we're yeah, a little over a week away from training camp opening up so we're getting very close to football preseason opener uh, august 9th against the cowboys for the 49ers the hall of fame game the week before that so we're only a couple weeks away from the hall of fame game it's uh Uh, It's rapidly approaching, which is probably welcomed news to football fans out there. A reminder to follow me on Twitter, at BD Peacock. That's the place to get those mailbag questions in. You can also email the show or any questions or comments to LockedOn49ers at gmail.com. All kinds of new content going up at LockedOn49ers.com, as well as the podcast. Subscribe, rate, and review the show. Always appreciate those reviews. So the tight end position. Not a large group of personnel, but I, I think there's some questions here for me, how this is exactly going to go and how the bottom of this position group is going to go. Is it, there's a lot of guys. There's only two locks, I think, for the roster right now at the tight end position. And with those two guys, uh, I you know the young player I think you want to see develop, but it's not going to be a one-man show at the tight end position, and there's not always going to be two tight ends on the field. So how uh, those snaps are dispersed between George Kittle and Garrett Selleck will be an interesting uh, factor throughout the season before we start looking ahead too much, let's look back at what the tight end position group for the 49ers did in 2017. The first thing you'll notice is Logan Paulson, the guy that was brought in by Kyle Shanahan, who knew the offense. He was the veteran presence last year on the roster. Uh, he is not around anymore. So it's really all George Kittle and Garrett Selleck. And, and by the way, hat tip to Garrett Selleck, who seems like he's become a favorite of the new 49ers regime, even though he's a Trent Baalke holdover. And there's not a lot of Trent Baalke Holdovers on the 49ers roster right now Uh, Garrett Selleck is one of those guys and I do love the Selleck time thing that the team has sort of rallied around but uh, Garrett Selleck he he, this is what's interesting between Selleck and George Kittle in 2017 George Kittle missed one game Uh, he was banged up in some others but Garrett Selleck played all 16 games George Kittle appeared in 15 of 16 games but Garrett Selleck had 13 starts in those games compared to only seven starts for George Kittle. So obviously uh, there was some crossover there. That's 20 combined starts. So in at least four games, uh, both Kittle and Selleck were on the field to start the game. And so what that tells me is when you compare that with 13 starts for Selleck, even though we had half as many catches as George Kittle, Kittle seven starts, he had 43 receptions on 63 targets. So nearly half the production uh, Receiving-wise, Garrett Selleck had 33 targets. He had 21 catches. So basically, Garrett Selleck played the blocking tight end role in that in that situation. George Kittle was more of the receiving type of tight end that was moved out a little bit more often. Um, but Selleck made some big plays. He actually popped a couple of plays and, and had, had some big ones. He had four touchdown catches on the year, which is twice as many as any other wide receiver, running back, anybody. Any pass catcher on the 49ers last year Garrett Selleck had the most touchdowns with four touchdown receptions, and nobody else had more than two. George Kittle being one of those guys with two touchdown catches on his 43 receptions. So I would expect that to kind of be the same this year. I mean, George Kittle can block. I I love George Kittle as a blocking tight end. He's a complete player, so he may eat into some of that for Garrett Selleck, and we might see a clear like number one tight end and number two tight end, and then Garrett Selleck will come in and be the blocking tight end when they go two tights, and uh George Kittle can be the guy that splits out and moves around a little bit more. But I, I don't know if I would expect it to be completely that way in 2018 because uh, they're both pretty good, and the the coaching staff likes Garrett Selleck, and he can do some things as a receiver. Uh, you know, he's not supremely athletic, but he's a good blocker. George Kittle, I think, is a do it all tight end. Uh, if I was, you know, if I was to sort of look into the crystal ball, I would think, yeah, George Kittle should probably be the the straight up number one tight end. And if you're only going single tight end, he can block and he can do all of those things. He's had a full year in the offense, so he can learn, you know, the move tight end position and the inline tight end position. So that shouldn't be so much of a problem or an obstacle for George Kittle getting on the field more. Uh, but he had been banged up as well last year. So, well, that'll be an interesting thing to watch in the preseason and, and get reports in camp to seeing how the team is using Sellick versus George Kittle and if it's a clear situation that. Sellick is going to be more, you know, the uh lined up as, as a fullback sometimes and in that inline blocking type of tight end role and then Kittle is going to be the move tight end to be the guy that's out and split out wide occasionally and in the slot in more of a receiving weapon or if uh, George Kittle's going to get the bulk of all of it and then Sellick would come in as the second tight end be more the blocking tight end in that role. So that that's the interesting part of those two guys to me, but those are definitely the roster locks and the guys who are going to be heavily involved with this team, Kittle, I would expect to be more heavily involved in the passing game there. And then after those two guys, there's one holdover from last year in Cole Hicatini, who did appear in four games. He was targeted three times. He caught two passes for 15 yards. So that was the extent of Cole Hicatini's rookie season, the undrafted rookie out of Louisville last year, who, by the way, went to San Francisco City College for a short time, and, and Sacramento State as well. Um the thing that, that Cole Hicatini oh, by the way, there was a, a cool stat I wanted to drop here from uh, Chris Wilson, who was a writer at LockedOn49ers.com. He tweeted this out a while ago, and it's in his article that breaks down the tight end position on LockedOn49ers.com. Uh, he said, Kittle's 43 receptions and 515 receiving yards are the most by a rookie tight end drafted in the fifth round or later in the history of the NFL. So, uh, George Kittle doing big things for a fifth round tight end or just a straight up any rookie tight end last year. And by the way, the 2017 draft class at tight end, that was a stacked position group. You got OJ Howard, you got, uh, and I wouldn't be surprised if OJ Howard is the best tight end in the NFL in, in a couple of years. And that's pretty much how we thought of because he's a stud. Evan Ingram is a tight end that runs four, four for the New York Giants, Uh, He's kind of a freak, and and he's going to be a big-time, I think, fantasy tight end. Uh, He already was as a rookie. David Njoku was another first-round tight end for the Browns. He's a freak of nature. And then, uh, man, so many more tight ends from the 2017 draft class. It was just a stacked group, and George Kittle was definitely one of those guys, and I think there's no way he falls to the fifth round if it wasn't such a stacked class. And talent-wise, and and he ran a 4.52, are you kidding me, at six-four-two-fifty, 250. So I wouldn't be surprised if George Kittle was a second-round pick. I mean, that's the kind of talent he had. So the 49ers, I think, got a little bit of a steal in uh, George Kittle, and uh, he's looking like the real deal, and I think he's a complete tight end. And you don't have any problems going forward with George Kittle as the tight end one for your football team. So you got Garrett Selleck, who's kind of going to be the number two guy. He probably will be more involved as a blocker, and Kittle would be more involved as a pass catcher. And then there's three more guys who are really competing for the last spot. Really, I mean, they're 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 only going to break with with three tight ends. I, I gotta believe.
1: This is David Harrison of the
0: Locked On Commanders podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Discover. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone. Last three tight ends competing for, in my mind, what is one spot? Cole Hickitini is the one where I don't really know if um, his rookie season was cut short. He had an injured MCL. I don't know if he didn't show enough in training camp. So they ended up moving him to the practice squad to start the year. So it's not like another team was trying to to swoop in and, and pick him up when he was put on waivers at the end of camp. So did they purposely hide him during the preseason? I've heard that theory. So that way another team wouldn't steal him away. Cole Hickettini, a, a lot of people really like Cole Hickettini and you know have visions of him being a really good receiving tight end and in a long term piece. Uh, I, I would I would pump the brakes on that a little bit. Not to say that I don't think he can be that. It just remains to be seen. He didn't have much of a rookie season, and he's still got a lot of work to do, and he's going to have to battle to get that third tight end spot on the roster. But right now, it would it would assume or I would assume that he's in very good position to be that third guy, and will probably be the third tight end uh, when camp breaks. So who's he competing with for that last spot? Most likely the last tight end spot on the roster. Well, tight end Ross Dwelly would be one of them. He uh, was signed after the draft from the University of San Diego. And so he's a really, I mean, he's very similar player to Cole Hickettini. So it's not like Ross Dwelly and Cole Hickettini are going to both make the roster most likely because they're both very similar players and they're both primarily pass catching tight ends on the college level. And so it'll remain to be seen if they can block well enough to play in the NFL, or uh, you know if that one dimension is is all that Kyle Shanahan's looking for in that third tight end to be more of a move tight end, someone that can use as a mismatch and maybe play a little special teams and uh, and be more of a receiver than a blocker. But that's Ross Dwelly's game. Uh, but he's you know got a good size, 6'5", 250. He caught twenty touchdown passes over his final two seasons in college. So you know he was a, he was a productive. receiver and you know with that size and that length six foot five and and some athleticism he should be a pretty good uh, red zone weapon as well so uh, he's a little bit bigger than Cole Hickettini at least height wise and then the last tight end is second year tight end Cole Wick he actually started his season or his career in the NFL in 2016 he was an undrafted free agent out of wait for it the University of Incarnate Word, which <laughs> there's not a lot of uh, NFL football players. And I would be willing to bet that there was only one football player that made the NFL uh, from Incarnate Word University, Titan Colwick. Uh, he's in his second season. He was on the Detroit Lions roster last year after he was an undrafted free agent. Uh, he was active for six games, but he had a, a knee injury to end his season, much like. Cole Hicatini season, so very similar pedigree for these last three guys that are fighting for the third tight end spot: Cole Wick, Ross Dwelly, and Cole Hikutini, all undrafted free agents. One way that Cole Wick could stand out in this group is that he's more of uh, the, the blocker type. You know, he's not the, the super athletic pass catcher, although he, he's got okay hands but uh, he's six foot six 257 pounds so by far the biggest of the three and by far the best blocker of the three so uh, that will be interesting to see if the 49ers want to go tight end three uh be more of a blocking tight end or more of a receiving tight end and that could answer some of those questions between who wins this battle or if they're just gonna let these guys compete and see who they like and, and you know and, and go either way with it they, you know it doesn't have to be a receiver or it doesn't have to be a block first tight end those will be the questions that need to be answered in camp and in preseason season But I got to believe the odds-on favorite to get that last spot is Cole Hicotini, who is uh, the holdover from last season with the 49ers for that third tight end spot. Incarnate Word. I don't know where Incarnate Word is. I didn't know they even had a football team. I'm guessing it's more of an East Coast school because on the West Coast, Uh, Even bigger schools don't have football teams. Sometimes Uh, the West coast college game is definitely not as strong as uh, the Midwest and the East coast is as far as old school college football. All right. It's mailbag time. had to carve out some time in this podcast to uh, take some mailbag questions as we gear up for camp. And of course the tight end, I was going to talk, for a full podcast about tight ends when there's only a handful of guys that are even in competition for this. And we really know who's going to get a bulk of the snaps for the 49ers already at that position. So let's open up the mailbag and see what we got inside. Let's kick it off with the email first. I got one from our buddy, Solman who says, congrats on the baby. Thank you very much. Solman, which player throughout 49ers history do you think has altered the course of the 49ers franchise for the worse? He says, I think the answer has to be Lawrence Phillips. Anyone else even come close? Alden Smith, I don't think, I mean, ending the career of a Hall of Fame quarterback in Steve Young is a pretty damning feat. So Lawrence Phillips, I think there's a good chance he would rank number one on that. Um, But Alden Smith, and he's so much of a, it's not that everything else fell apart from the Harbaugh era because of Alden Smith, but he's like the guy where you look at all the trouble he got into, and it was sort of a... He was the poster child of the bad things that happened in that era and how uh, unchecked some guys were off the field. And there were other players, Ray McDonald and guys getting in all kinds of trouble and just being complete knuckleheads. And really, you realize that there was a problem kind of in the building and with some of the people and some of the personalities that were on the roster. So Alden Smith is one that immediately jumps to mind. Uh, Altering the 49ers franchise for worse, Lawrence Phillips has to be one of those. Um, and I'll throw this one out there, Bill Walsh. Basically, Bill Walsh not being around anymore, whether it be in a consultant role or in GM role he was for a while um, in the late 90s, early 2000s, or not being a coach anymore. Because uh, Bill Walsh is, above all else, the number one reason why the 49ers became a dynasty and became a great franchise. And one of the reasons I became a fan of the 49ers was that Bill Walsh-era football team. So um, Bill Walsh not being around probably hurt the 49ers more than people— realize as well. Thank you for the email. Let's move over to Twitter. I've got one from Hugo. He says, congrats on your little boy. I appreciate that, Hugo. Random question. When you were talking about running backs, it got me thinking about Glenn Coffey. Wasn't he trying to make a comeback? What happened with that? <laughs> yeah, you forget about Glenn Coffee. I played what, one season with the 49ers? 2009, I believe. Um, and yeah, so what I remember is that Glenn Coffey, I think, wanted to be it was like a religious thing. Like he decided he wanted, he had a calling to be in the ministry. He wanted to be a preacher or something like that. And I don't know if that really ever happened. I think it, and then he even got in a little bit of trouble and then, uh, and then he ended up being an army ranger. And so in 2013, I believe it is. Uh, let me see if I can find that. Yeah. 2013 Glenn coffee enlisted in the army. Uh, he was a specialist in the army infantry after going to army ranger school And that lasted about four years. And so then uh, 2017, he decided uh, maybe he had the fire burning again and the passion burning again to come back to the NFL. Uh, But, yeah, nobody's going to take on a 29-year-old running back. He had 83 carries for 226 yards and 11 catches for 76 yards and one touchdown in his sole season For the 49ers in 2009 and uh, nearly 10 years ago now, nobody's going to be knocking on uh, Glenn Coffey's door to be asking him to come play uh, for their NFL football team. So, yeah, that's uh, he's way late on that. And I don't know if he's a head case or, uh, you know, he just didn't have the passion to play anymore. But uh, most teams don't like to take on guys who have already quit and uh, quit on on their teams and don't have that that fire burning in that passion to play football. So Glenn Coffey, I think it's safe to say his NFL career is over after one season with the 49ers. To Zach on Twitter, he says, surprise veteran cut question mark. And one player you think we could trade before the regular season? That's a good question. I'll say for well, for veteran cuts, wouldn't be much of a surprise, but I think Aldrick Robinson, unless there's an injury to a veteran wide receiver on the 49ers roster, uh, even though he's kind of uh, one of the backup wide receivers, uh, I think Aldrick Robinson would be a cut. I don't know if that would be a huge surprise veteran cut, but that would be one. I would say someone like Josh Garnett or Jonathan Cooper, one of those first-round guards that the 49ers have on their roster, one of three first-round guards. Um, one of them could be cut from the team because they brought in Mike Person. Uh, Eric Magnuson still around competing, who they liked a lot last year. So, um, yeah, I could see one of those guys getting The Axe, which would be a mild surprise, I think, uh, if one of those first-round guards was cut. But again, it wouldn't be a complete shocker. And I think some of those names might be guys that are tradable as well that I've already mentioned. Eric Armstead and I I think Jimmy Ward, those are the two most obvious. I think Armstead more than Ward as far as getting traded just because they need Ward to potentially be a a quasi-starter at a number of positions and a key backup to a number of positions. And um depending on when Richard Sherman's completely ready to go. He's supposed to be ready for camp. We'll see next week, but Jimmy Ward might be counted on more early in the season. So I doubt they would move on from him with all the young players that are behind him on the roster. So Eric Armstead is definitely a guy who could be a surprise cut or a surprise trade for the 49ers. How about Earl Mitchell? What if DJ Jones shows up and says, I'm ready to be the nose tackle on this team. I don't know if the 49ers need two true nose tackles with how Often teams are in sub packages. Um, Could they have a guy on the practice squad that's sort of the backup nose if someone gets hurt? and Maybe they cut Earl Mitchell, even though he was a big money signing for the 49ers before last season. And they roll with the young guy and DJ Jones as the nose tackle because the nose tackle is only going to be on the field like, you know, 30, maybe 40% of the time. So uh, I don't know if you need two true nose tackles because otherwise – Whoever the backup there is, isn't going to be on the field all that much. And that would give you some more opportunity to have some more of these pass rushers on the roster because you've already got Sheldon Day in the middle. Uh, you've got rookies Julian Taylor that are going to be competing. Uh, you've got Pita Taumoy Pinu still around. Ronald Blair still around, play inside outside. Contavious Streets on the, he's going to be a redshirt player for the 49ers with that torn ACL from college but maybe Earl Mitchell might be the biggest shocker as far as someone who looks like they're penciled in to be a starter uh, and then gets cut before training camp. Uh, maybe Malcolm Smith is another one who's fits that similar vibe since Reuben Foster is only going to be out for two games. It might be between someone like Brock Coyle and Malcolm Smith. If they want to keep Corey Toomer and they want to keep Dakota Watson and Eli Harold, and they want to keep obviously Fred Warners around. So uh, how many linebackers can you really hold on to? That's going to be a little bit of a battle. Someone's going to, have to uh, pay the price i think at that position
1: if you're looking for the most comprehensive nfl draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the locked on nfl scouting podcast join the draft dudes kyle Krabs and joe marino as they go position by position through the nfl free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 nfl draft if you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
0: To Steve on Twitter, he had an HD TV question that I didn't really understand, and that's out of my element. But <laughs> um, He also says, any chance former 49ers greats like, Brent Jones or Steve Young might do an interview on this great podcast. You know, I haven't reached out to those sort of people. Um, I'm always surprised sometimes how gracious some people are and and totally want to come on. And then some people I reach out to just completely ghost me completely. And I never hear back from them at all, but I have not talked to them or or reached out to those people. So uh, maybe I should, maybe I need to get more 49ers greats on the show. I I need to up my booking game and get on that and uh, get involved with some X 49ers players, some more current ones as well. To Hindenburg 49ers, over-under Foster will play 12 total regular season games this season with suspension and injury. Okay, so he's already out for two games. So he's got a max 14. So if the over-under is 12, that would mean that he can only miss one more game or you're going to not get that over. And that's tough because of the way he plays and how banged up he was in college and uh, in, in his rookie season because of the way he hits people. I got to guess he's going to miss at least one game. That would put you at 13. Um, if there's any more suspensions, then that that gets completely blown away, and he that might be a career ender, and it might be a, a at least a 49ers career ender for Reuben Foster if there's anything that's semi-serious enough to for him to be getting suspended. I'm going to still say over because I'm going to predict even if he's banged up, he's going to go out there and play through stuff, and so he's going to play at least 13 games. This season, but uh, yeah, that's probably a pretty smart place to put the over-under on 12 for him to miss a couple more games for injury. And uh, let's all cross our fingers, hope that doesn't happen, because I want to see Reuben Foster out there every week, starting in week three. To John on Twitter, can we talk about the Niners' delusion that Solomon Thomas is a Leo? Third overall pick of 2017 is looking like a mediocre hybrid, in my humble opinion. Uh, John, I think there's a couple things there. You're a little bit harsh on Solomon Thomas, Uh, just because he's not an edge rusher, doesn't mean he's a total bust or a bad player or anything like that. I like what he can do and you can kind of quibble about whether that's worth the third overall pick versus, you know, say the 12th overall pick or something like that. But I agree about the Leo stuff, but the thing is, I don't see, they've talked about when they drafted him, they said he's going to play the Michael Bennett role. And it was like, yes, that's his fit. That's exactly what he should be doing. Strong side, defensive end. And then on passing down sub packages, he moves inside and rushes from the interior. And that's what he should be doing. And then last season they realized, oh, we don't really have an an outside edge rusher. So they just kind of left him on the outside the whole time. And he plays the run really well on early downs. From the outside and the the few snaps he got from the inside, he looked pretty good as a pass rusher in the middle. And that's how he looked in college as well. So I got to believe that's how they want to use him. And they've said this preseason or this offseason that that's how they want to use him. And so we'll see if somebody steps up and becomes the outside rusher to allow Solomon Thomas to do that. But, you know, on on obvious running downs, short distance downs and maybe, you know, first and tens. If Solomon Thomas is out there at the Leo and playing outside on the edge, that's not a big deal. What really matters is sub packages. And again, like I mentioned earlier with the nose tackles, 60 to 70% of the time they're in sub, those times Solomon Thomas should be rushing from the inside right next to DeForest Buckner. That's the ideal situation. Uh, If he's on the outside rushing from the edge in those situations, then I think we do maybe have a problem because you're not utilizing this talent where he should be utilizing. So you're making it worse for your team, making it worse for the player. Christian had a good question about Hall of Fame snubs. He says, all Hall of Fame snub team, offensive and defensive rosters filled with the best players who aren't in the Hall, the only criteria is that they have to have previously been eligible for induction. That I don't have time to even tackle that question. I might maybe talk to Nick about that on Wednesday show, but the number one guy who just jumps out, and I'll throw it out there, who's maybe the biggest snub to me is Roger Craig. And I think you got to start with Roger Craig, and then we'll, and move on from there. But uh, to be honest, in the NFL, it's probably a regional thing. So I think every team's fan base would probably have guys that they are like, "Oh my God, it's a criminal that this player isn't in the Hall of Fame." But I think it, it always feels like just about everybody gets into the NFL Hall of Fame that kind of should be considered. So there, there's not the snub vibe that baseball has. It's not as snobbish in the Hall. So I think there would be less of that if you're just trying to find a bunch of big-time snubs around the NFL. I think it would be harder to find. I think each fan base, though, could find a few of their own guys. I think Patrick Willis might be one of those guys for the 49ers. In the future, when you look back, you're like, oh, God, he was too good. He deserved to be in the Hall of Fame. And it might be a while and it might be never before Ruben or before uh, – I'm already calling Ruben Foster, Patrick Willis. Um, Freudian slip there before Patrick Willis gets into the Hall of Fame. Thoughts on, this is from Thomas on Twitter. Thoughts on, des Bryant fit actual likelihood Niners consider adding him? I would say it would take probably a Pierre Garcon injury early in training camp for the 49ers to bring in Des Bryant. I got to believe Des is going to sign to the team sometime in the first week or two of camp, unless he's really going to hold out to see if someone gets hurt or something like that. Um, but, you know, locker room wise, you know, he doesn't have the best reputation. I'd be surprised the 49ers bring in, him in as things are set. Uh, probably take a big injury in the 49ers thinking, OK, we're up against it now and we got to have uh, someone who could be a big time uh, player and uh, be uh, a target hog in this offense. Uh, let's do one more. This is a good one from Steven, who says he's traveling from Oregon to see a game trying to decide which game to go to. If you had to pick only one, which is the game to see? Well, I uh, talked about the Reuben Foster return week three. That's not at Levi's Stadium, it's in Kansas City. So if I was to go to one road game, I would go to that week three game in Kansas City uh, to watch Reuben Foster versus Kareem Hunt and watch the Niners and the Chiefs. And I've heard that Kansas City is an awesome place to watch a game, by the way. That Foster return game, I think, is going to be a really fun one, but that's a road game. So looking at the home games, mm, week nine versus the Raiders at Levi's Stadium, Uh, definitely don't bring your kids to that one. Thursday night game, will people get extra trashed from drinking all day at the tailgate before the the 5 p.m. kickoff time on that Thursday night game against the Raiders, because Raiders and Niners games are already bad. Um, Now, that's probably a game I personally would uh, avoid and not want to sit in the cheap seats for, just because there's so much BS that goes on in the crowd that you don't get a chance to really focus on the game, which is why you're there. I would say Week 15 versus the Seahawks would be a good bet. Potentially, hopefully, the 49ers are fighting for a playoff spot there. Uh, The next week, Week 16, is the final regular season home game against the Bears that would be a good one too upcoming 49ers versus up and coming Bears possible playoff implications with that game but if I had to pick one I think my final decision for that would be week seven at home against the LA Rams and that would be a chance for the 49ers to show the NFC West what's what and two teams that are hope oh, you know what what looks to be like it's going to be a pretty strong rivalry and a growing rivalry two young really smart head coaches two young good quarterbacks in place. Some solid talent around their teams. 49ers building their roster slowly. Uh, The Rams went all in for this season. So, uh, yeah, 49ers-Rams Week 7 at Levi's Stadium I think might be the ticket to buy preseason. And then as things change over the course of the season, might be some later uh, in the year that might be uh, even bigger buys. You know, if the 49ers are looking to try to compete for a playoff spot at the end of the year. All right, that's going to do it for this episode of Locked On 49ers. Thank you so much to everybody who got involved in the mailbag this time and everybody who continues to be involved. Uh, we're going to keep that going. Uh, you know, throw some mailbag questions uh, in there when I can. Of course, I'll have a bunch of them with Nick on Wednesday. So uh, keep them coming on Twitter at BD Peacock or via email lockdown49ers at gmail.com. My guest tomorrow, Chris Biederman, will be talking 49ers and uh, previewing training camp. All that this week on Locked On 49ers.